0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico 99 and also at Ethos Fantasy BB, E-T-H-O-S, Fantasy BB on Twitter. That is where all of our new podcasts come out different show links, articles, news and notes. My quick hits come out there. There's a ton of our content that is over at Ethos Fantasy BB. All of our baseball content does get shared out over there, of course. And if you're not on Twitter... At SportsEthos.com is the website. Hover over the MLB tab, and you guys will see all of the new great content. We had an It's Gone podcast drop this morning with Britton Allen, a solo show where he was going over some waiver wire pickups. We had a weather article come out today as well from Larry. There's a ton of stuff going on in our Ethos Fantasy BB side of the company, the fantasy baseball side. I always just call it Ethos Fantasy BB. But our fantasy baseball side of the company doing very well, and you guys are who we have to thank for that. So really appreciate that. I also hit 4,000 followers over on Twitter today, so I want to say thank you over there for everybody who has found me. If you haven't, please go check it out. I do these quick hit notes where I just cover about 8 to 10 players every single day, not generally going over the superstars unless there is some big news or there's some, something to go over with them. But generally, we're talking about the more fringy players who are the ad drop candidates. Those are what I tend to go over on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people have found me there. Since the baseball season started, it's been a lot of fun seeing that number grow, and I appreciate every single one of you so thank you very much for all of that help you guys have shown me growing the Twitter side. Keep it up. Uh go follow me at Joe ORICO99. J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. Let's talk some baseball. Let's talk about some big news that we have over the last 24 hours or so. So my favorite piece of news we are going to lead off with here today. Liam Hendricks is in remission from his non-Hodgkins lymphoma. I was not expecting it to be this quick. This is, this is very fast uh, since he announced in January uh, that he was diagnosed. Not Hodgkin's lymphoma. I am far from a doctor, but it's generally fairly serious. Uh, but, you know, within three months of him being diagnosed or announcing his diagnosis, I think he may have been diagnosed uh, slightly before then. But his final round of chemotherapy uh, was two weeks ago. He is going to be back sooner than we probably would have anticipated. This is the time when you should be looking around at your leagues and seeing if Liam Hendricks is available. Now, it's not going to be many leagues. Actually, it's more than I thought. He's only 64% rostered in Yahoo League. So we don't know what the timeline is for Liam Hendricks yet. It still might not be, you know, it's not going to be next week or something like that. We're still probably looking at a month plus, maybe even more than that. Really hard to say until they, they tell us more. But at this point, he's 64% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Most of those leagues do have IL spots. There is no reason why Liam Hendricks should not be rostered in those leagues. He is going to regain his closer job when he comes back. There is no question about it. The White Sox are not going to put out Kendall Grayman or Reynaldo Lopez. If there is, or, or anybody for that matter, if they have a healthy um, Liam Hendricks who's able to go. Kendall Grayman to this point, 540 ERA. Lopez, 623 Obviously, those can be deceiving early in the season, but neither has gotten off to a great start. It would be a huge bonus to the closer pool for fantasy managers, for White Sox fans, for, for baseball fans in general, uh, once Liam Hendricks gets back. So he should be rostered in more than 64% of leagues. I think that that is pretty low uh, on the Yahoo side. Go check it out wherever you are. Uh, typically, ESPN's a little bit lower, so you might even find him in the 40s or 50s or whatever it is. Go and add Liam Hendricks, especially if you have an IL spot. Even if you don't, I would argue, you know, I would be adding him up now. Well, I guess it depends on your situation. If you drafted, you know, Josh Hader and you got Jordan Romano, then maybe you don't need to. Even then, I think it doesn't hurt in a head-to-head league. There's so much volatility week-to-week with saves. You might have the top four closers in baseball get zero saves in a given week, and it's just the way it works sometimes. So in a head-to-head league where there's more volatility, it really doesn't matter how deep you are. I think Liam Hendricks is a must-add for every single fantasy player out there. Unless you are just... So sure of your save situation, which at this point of the year, I don't think anybody really is. Uh, I would be going and taking a look and seeing uh, if you can get Liam Hendricks. 64% rostered, I would be taking a look. Bryce Harper. The timeline for Bryce Harper has moved up again. Now, we talked about this last week a little bit, or maybe it was earlier this week, actually, uh, that he was going to be learning how to play first base in the hopes that he could help the Phillies out once he comes back. They've lost Reese Hoskins. They've lost Eric Hall. They're more okay in the outfield, and he's more of a DH guy anyway. So they were thinking, okay, Harper can play first base for us. It's not going to have to move around so much like he would in the outfield. Uh, You know, There's always been injury concerns with him. I forget if there was a knee problem or something. I I honestly can't keep track of his injuries because there's been a bunch. Now, this current one was Tommy John surgery. Now, I didn't think that we'd see him before the All-Star break. Personally, I think in my overall rankings for the season, I had him somewhere in the 160s. I think that's where I had him overall – If I had known we were going to see him back in early May, then I would have had him as a top 100 player. A lot of discourse I've seen on Twitter today: How Bryce Harper will perform? Will he be good? Is he going to be worth starting? Is he like? I, absolutely, I think those are overblown concerns. We saw it last year, even though Bryce Harper was hurt, not his full self. 18 homers, 11 stolen bases, a two eighty six batting average. That was in 370 at bats. You know, 63 runs, 65 RBIs as well. You might not see him steal as much as he continues to get older, but the power is legit. Great lineup. We know he is somebody who can hit around the 300 number. Bryce Harper, 93% rostered. He is far less available than Liam Hendricks, but still there are some leagues where Bryce Harper is sitting on the waiver wires. It doesn't matter how shallow the league is, he should be somebody that you are adding if available again. This is something that will apply to a small percentage of you, certainly a smaller percentage than Liam Hendricks, but uh, Harper should be no lower than 99% rostered at this point. We're talking a two-time MVP, just a year removed from an MVP too. Last year, he didn't play the whole season and still the per-game stats were very, very appealing. So... It's it's obvious it's to, to most of you who will be listening that Bryce Harper should be on every roster, especially with this updated timeline. I did not think it would be this soon, but especially considering that, 93% needs to go up to 99 So it probably isn't many of you. Uh, more shallow leagues for sure, but 6% of all leagues is still a lot of leagues on Yahoo. There are a lot of fantasy leagues, so go and check it out. Unlikely that you will find him, uh, but just go and take a look and see anyway. Now, this one's kind of interesting, not directly related to fantasy, but interesting uh, nonetheless. Apparently, the Angels are unlikely to trade Shohei Ohtani this season, whether they're in contention or not. One person connected to the Angels told John Heyman, and again, John Heyman, so uh, a slight grain of salt there maybe, but 0% chance, said this source to John Heyman. I don't know necessarily if that's the wisest course of action here. The Angels have started off the year Okay, they're 9 and 10. They're not blowing anybody away to this point in the season. Fairly middle of the pack in terms of most of their stats. You know, they're 12th in runs, they're 19th in hits, 13th in on-base percentage, 16th in homers, they're not stealing many bases, only 6. On the pitching side, they're 10th in ERA, they're 13th in whip, 22nd in strikeouts per nine. Uh, they're just kind of, you know, middle of the pack. They're not really blowing anybody out of the water like we were kind of hoping that they would, um, you know, preseason, hoping that, hey, maybe this is the year. We've, we've kind of done this every year with the Angels, thinking that this is the year, this is the year. If it's not the year and they can tell that fairly early on, then it would be very wise for them to trade Shohei Otani. I thought it would have been wise to trade them in the offseason. And I even said Mike Trout. Mike, like, why, unless they're just so confident that they're going to be successful, and, I mean, uh, I don't know. They're a poorly run organization, so maybe they just always kind of have felt that way. Um, but unless they were really confident coming into the year, I was fairly confident if everybody can stay healthy. To this point, it's like, okay, they started off 500. It's still very early. We're 20 games into the season it's still. Uh, it's it's still way too early to fully know for sure, but they're not looking like they're going to be a juggernaut. Maybe they're a team that can sneak into the playoffs potentially, but uh, if they can tell midseason, if you're sitting around the All-Star break and they're 10 games under 500, they need to be shopping Shohei Otani. Oh, Shohei Ohtani. He is not coming back at that point. I don't think he should come back. Regardless, even if they do go, make it into the wild card spot, get bounced in the first round. Progress, right? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stand for that if I was Otani. They're gonna throw a ton of money at him for sure. Whatever it is, five hundred million, is, four hundred million, eight hundred million, a billion dollars. I don't know what the hell it'll be. It'll probably be five hundred million or so. I don't know that other teams are not going to offer that too. Like, I think everybody's going to kind of throw money at him, unless he just loves being in Los Angeles with the Angels playing with Mike Trout. Would he love it uh, the way it's gone these last few years? I don't know. Personally, I think it'd be very foolish of them to not trade Otani mid-season. I thought that they should have traded Trout and Otani in the off-season and started a full-blown rebuild and enough of the bullshit. That was my thought early, early in the off-season, mid-late off-season. I was thinking, okay, maybe there's a chance for them. So far, you never know. Uh, it's like way too soon to really tell. If I were a betting man, and I placed the odd bet here and there, I wouldn't be throwing money on the Angels. You know, necessarily making the playoffs. They got a tough couple teams ahead of them in the division. There's a lot of tough teams in the American League East that are going to need to get in through the wild card spots. It's tough. Uh, I don't know that the Angels are going to make the wise decision here because it's the Angels. Generally speaking, they cannot be counted on to make the wise decision. So. I think that they're stupid. Uh, regardless, honestly, whatever happens, I think they're a poorly run organization. But I think if they trade Otani, they might get themselves a little bit of a leg up. If he does leave in free agency for nothing, that would be brutal. You can get a Soto, Juan Soto type package, probably even a little bit better uh, than what we saw uh, go. Then what we saw, the Padres have to pay for Juan Soto. You might even see five top, five six top prospects. Because I think it was four top prospects in the. I, I was Hassel. It was Wood. It was Abrams. It was Gore. And I think there was somebody else, too, in that trade. That was so many pieces in that trade. I think it would be even more for Otani. So I think that they should entertain that offer, but we'll have to see just how the season uh, does pan out. Let's talk about a sad one here. Chris Bubich. He's going under the knife. He's going to have Tommy John surgery at some point. I'm not sure exactly when they're going to do it, but he is done for the year. If you haven't dropped him yet, you need to be dropping Chris Bubich. I know there was some hope. I had some hope myself. I said that he is somebody, I said this after his giant start on April 9th, that he is probably somebody who is worth taking a look at in a 12-team league. No reason not to take a speculative shot on somebody who looked that good, where the advanced metrics are that good on earlier in the season, Even if, you know, the right play wasn't to start him, his next time out in Atlanta. And the right play, in retrospect, of course, was to sit him. But even, you know, looking from before that game, It was probably the wise decision to sit Chris Bubich. Now, at this point, you have to drop him. You all know this. It's Tommy John surgery. But he's still sitting on 10% of rosters. So just make make sure. This is more so when I give these kind of advice for this kind of thing. If there's a high or low roster percentage, it's more so for the people who play in a bunch of leagues. Because if you're playing five or six leagues on one platform, it's impossible to keep track of, of individual waiver wires. And it's impossible to keep track of individual teams sometimes. You look at a team. And you think, oh my God, he's still on my team? You know, especially if you have multiple different teams. So if you do have five, six teams, go, check, go take a look and make sure if you added Chris Bubich that you have gotten rid of him because he's not going to be doing anybody any more favors this fantasy season, unfortunately, which does suck. It looked like there might have been a chance there, uh, but it does not look like it at this point. Let's talk about the news. or not the. That was the news. Here are the notes uh, from last night's games that I made. So James Outman, I don't know why. But last night or last week, his roster percentage actually went down in Yahoo leagues. He went down from 80 to 75% rostered. He's up now to 76 He had a couple of bombs yesterday in for the season. He's up to five dingers, 15 RBIs, two stolen bases. Now, I did say in my notes that I thought there was a chance that he could stick in the leadoff spot when Mookie comes back. And yes, I thank you for the seven people who all pointed out that he did not actually lead off today with Mookie back. Understandable. I thought there was a chance. Now, he's still going to stick in the top. Of the lineup, I would assume he's batting six today, which I wouldn't really expect regularly. I think he's probably going to be in the fifth hole, if not leading off sometimes as well. Between Mookie, you know, or with Mookie, it's hard, um, to see him putting, um, you know, getting in the leadoff spot consistently, but I think sometimes we'll see him there still. I think sometimes we'll see him in the fifth spot. Maybe sometimes he'll bounce around the order, but it doesn't matter, uh, at this point, honestly. It really doesn't the way he has been performing. In 62 at-bats, he's got 27 runs plus RBIs, the five homers, the two steals. He's batting 294 you on the season. So regardless of where he is in that lineup, it shouldn't be lower than six going forward, and that's you know the absolute worst I think we're going to see out of him. I think that regardless of your format, James Outman is somebody that you should be adding wherever you are. 10-teamers, 8-teamers, 12-teamers, 15s, rotos, points, at the heads, whatever you are, James Outman needs to be on a roster. Roanzi Contreras, and I always butcher names. You guys know this. Go back to last year. Rowanzie, Rowanzie, I think it's Rowanzie Contreras. He's looked really good uh, so far. Outside of his Astro start, he's looked really good. And last night, it was six innings, or six and two-thirds innings pitched, uh, one-run ball, eight strikeouts. Now, let me take a look and see what the jump has been on Yahoo today, if there has been any. Because sometimes, after a start, you don't necessarily see one. And it's actually gone down 1% uh, from 25 to 24%, still up 3% overall for the last week. I think he's a borderline 12-team guy. You know, I, I say borderline because he might be somebody where, depending on how pitching is valued in your league, he might be more of a streamer. He might be somebody that is a must-roster, depending on how many pitching slots are in your specific 12-teamer. But outside of that Houston start, he's had a good one in Boston, a good one at St. Louis, and a good one against Cincy at home. So yes, and when I say at home, it was in Pittsburgh. So he's away from Great American Ballpark there, but you'll you'll still take it. You know, eight strikeouts was a season high. We know the strikeouts can be better than what we have seen so far at the major league level for Melany Contreras. You know, in the minor leagues, we're talking about a guy who was generally giving you more, you know, upper twenties, mid thirties kind of strikeout rate. Did not have that in his first season so far. He's at a twenty percent K rate, but those eight strikeouts over six and two thirds—it's uh, definitely promising. I think there is a chance that we could see him. Not Maybe not in the 30s, uh, probably almost certainly not into the 30s. But I think somewhere in the mid-20s for strikeout percentage, I, I feel like that's attainable for him, and I think that he's a solid enough add uh, in your 12-team leagues where I think that he is probably worth it. He's not a must-add player. He is definitely not somebody who is a must-add, especially considering the Dodgers are up next. If you add him, you're going to probably sit him, almost certainly you're going to sit him against the Dodgers unless you're in a very deep league. But I think there is some fantasy juice still potentially there with Romaji Contreras. Young guy, good prospect pedigree. Strikeouts are still not great, but definitely step in the right direction yesterday. So he's somebody that I would uh, take a look at adding if you're in need of some pitching help. And God knows we're all in need of pitching help right now. Matt Strom, great start last night. 11 strikeouts over five and a third. He allowed three earned runs. He's been a very, very nice surprise this year. Not, what anybody was expecting out of Matt Strom, over 18 innings, 27 strikeouts in a three ERA. He's got one victory so far. Definitely somebody who is interesting. Now, I'm holding off on calling him like a must roster player. He's a strong streamer. He's pretty close to Contreras, I think, overall, in terms of like where I would probably view them. Contreras probably a little bit higher. Strom is probably still more in that streaming bucket for me. I think there's a little more volatility there with him. Uh, even just in terms of, like, will he have a rotation spot all year? He's not somebody who has been a starter for his entire career. So I'm I'm not 100% sure there. I'd still lean Contreras uh, between the two of them. But I think Strom is somebody who can be a decent enough streamer, especially in the strikeout column if he keeps this up uh, so far. So good for Matt Strom. Connor Joe has looked really interesting so far. 17 out of 50 uh, for the season. He's batting 340. 11 runs, 2 homers, 8 ribbies, and 1 steal. I think that he's an option in deeper leagues where you're just kind of in need of warm bodies. You need somebody to fill in playing time in a 15 team or a five outfield kind of league, whatever. But we saw the same kind of hot streak from him early in the year, last year with Colorado, it did not pan out. The end of year stats were awful for Connor Joe. He may have even spent some time in the minors. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was that kind of year where Where if I'm even thinking if he was in the minors, or not, like it was a bad season. Um, So I wouldn't drop any kind of established fantasy producers for him. I think that he is somebody who is kind of just okay if you want to ride out while he's been on kind of a semi-hot streak and use a short-term ad on him for the weekend or whatever. I I wouldn't fault you for it, but he's not somebody I'd be dropping any kind of established major league player for. Uh, Let's move on to Josh Rojas. I've mentioned Josh Rojas a lot on the podcast this season so far. Now, I, I don't understand, really, why people haven't added him more. 54% rostered, still in Yahoo Leagues, despite the fact that he is, at the, for the most part, batting first. Occasionally, he's batted second. Uh, but getting everyday reps in an Arizona lineup that has looked very good so far. He's got a 333 batting average. He has not hit a home run yet, but that's not really his strength. He'll probably chip in low-end double-digit ha- dingers over the course of the season. Last year, was nine. You're probably looking at eight to ten home runs. He's going to give you a lot of runs at the top of that order. He's already scored 11 times. He's got nine ribbies, two steals, and like I said, batting 333. That's not going to stick, but he can be a solid batting average contributor. He can be a solid 3.5-ish category contributor. Good steals. He had 23 last year. Already got a couple. That's good. Solid batting average. Solid run total. RBI and homers aren't going to be crazy, but he's not a power stat kind of guy. You're getting him because of the steals. You're getting him because of the lineup position. And he's also eligible at second and third, two of the more scarce positions in fantasy. So definitely Josh Rojas is not getting the love that he should from the fantasy community thus far. Not really sure why he's not on every single roster in 10 plus team leagues. Let's talk about his teammate, Alec Thomas. I know that hasn't been terribly pretty so far for Alec Thomas, but it's been prettier than we were expecting coming into the season. We weren't sure if he was going to even have a role uh, coming into the year, if he was going to be in the big leagues, I remember we were going through roster resource. We did our Diamondbacks preview with uh, Chris Welsh, and he wasn't even somebody that was projected to be on the major league roster at that point. And we did that preview in, I want to see, February. Uh, it was January, February. kind of. I think February we were doing that preview. We weren't even sure if he was going to be in the big leagues. So the fact that he's playing almost every day is a very promising sign. He hasn't been great so far this year, but over the last couple weeks, he's 11 for his last 42, which is 262 batting average. He's got a homer and a steal. He's 2% rostered for a reason in Yahoo leagues because he's not somebody with that shallow league viability. Like most of Yahoo leagues are fairly shallow. I don't know that he's viable in those formats, but he's somebody to keep an eye on. I think he could be a nice power speed guy with a solid enough batting average to have some juice, especially in a solid lineup. You know, we just talked about it with Rojas. I like what Arizona's doing. I like their lineup. And I think Thomas is somebody where he'll have a pretty regular role, it seems like. And down the line, he could end up being a fairly strong ad, even in your shallower leagues. For now, he's a deep league watchlist guy, but I, or deep league slash watchlist, because I think he is warranted of an ad in a 15-team league. But watch list him in your shallower formats for now. One more player we're going to talk about, Masataka Yoshida. He has been dropped in plenty of leagues, and I understand it. So far, he hasn't been the greatest. Uh, he's batting 189 for the season, but I also have to remember, remind you guys, he started off pretty hot. Uh, he mo- he missed, I uh, can't speak right now, he missed a few games with a hamstring injury, uh, he had a pulled hamstring, I believe, and since he's been back, it was a couple of cold games, but yesterday he did go two for five, he had a run, he had a couple of RBIs, I would not be counting him out just yet, down even farther from yesterday, it was 77 yesterday, down to 76% in Yahoo League's. We never really know how a player is going to adjust from Japan and people will point to his batting average on the season at 188, 189 uh, as a reason to kind of panic and want to drop him a lot of shallow. Like he's currently in one of my leagues. He is a free agent. It's a 10-team league and my outfield is pretty well taken care of. Um, but even then, I, I might have to do something. I might have to add him in that league because he really shouldn't be available anywhere. There's a talent like him, even though, we, again, we don't know how he's going to adjust necessarily in the long term, but I think it's too soon to cut bait on him after two weeks, especially when he looked pretty good to start the year off, and then he had to miss a couple of games, lost the steam that he had built up. Give him a couple of weeks before you're really willing to cut Yoshida, regardless of the size of your league. Let's talk weekend streamers. We're going to talk about four for Saturday and three for Sunday. we got seven total potential pitching streamers for this weekend. Let's start off with David Peterson at San Francisco. This is Saturday. Hasn't been the greatest start to the season for David Peterson, but I think it's a fairly get-right kind of matchup for him against San Francisco. We're not talking about a great team. Coming off a fairly tough start against the Dodgers, where he still got the victory uh, over six innings. Uh, it was not good. I think it was six runs over six innings against the Dodgers with six Ks. Um, not ideal, but the fact that he's able to go six innings still is promising. I think that he is a solid streamer, regardless of your league size, uh, going into this matchup against San Francisco. Is it risky a little bit? Yeah, it's a little bit risky. He hasn't been that pristine so far this year, but I think he's a solid source of strikeouts where you're also having a fairly decent chance uh, of a win coming out of that matchup. This one is more for your shallower leagues. I think he's rostered in in a a lot of leagues. It's Andrew Heaney here. He's 66% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Two-thirds of leagues have him. He gets Oakland tomorrow. He's looked very good over his last two starts. It was a freaking disaster to start the year against Baltimore, but he's not giving up a run over his last 10 innings, five of them against Kansas City, which is whatever, but another five of them against Houston last time out, 14 strikeouts in that time frame as well. Andrew Heaney, I don't think he's great by any means, but he's a solid, again, kind of the similar thing with Peterson here. He's a solid source of strikeouts, and there's a good potential for a win uh, going up against a fairly shitty team there in Oakland, a fairly shitty team, a brutal, piss-poor team. In Oakland there's no need to beat around the bush there they're a joke but and I'm sorry for Oakland fans listening that was probably uncalled for I didn't need to go there but let's talk Kyle Gibson he's the next guy I think is pretty viable for Saturday he's looked pretty okay thus far last start out against the White Sox was the first time he didn't get a victory it wasn't the greatest outing of his career for sure But through his 23 and two-thirds innings, he's got a 4-1-8 ERA. Not too bad. He's got the three victories. And again, this is more of a victory kind of stream here going against the Tigers. I think there's a good chance he's able to pull through five, six innings and get you a victory. Strikeouts are not what you'd be adding Kyle Gibson for. He is more of an add on the opposite end of the spectrum from Peterson and Heady. If your strikeouts are more taken care of and you're more hoping for a little bit of ratio luck and potentially a win there out of Kyle Gibson. One more that we will talk about here for Saturday It's Wade Miley, and Wade Miley, I think, is interesting. We talked about him with Nick Pollock the other day when we had him on. Again, uh, you guys need to go check out that Nick Pollock episode, one of the most fun shows we have done here. Uh, Nick was reacting live to Mason Miller's debut. We were talking about some starting pitching outliers, guys who started off very well, such as your Wade Miley's that you weren't expecting, and also guys like Alcantara and Manoa and Blake Snell, who had not done as well as we were hoping to start the year. So that one uh, is a great episode. You guys need to be checking that one out. Nick was killing me. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. But Wade Miley is somebody we talked about, and Nick's sentiment with him is somebody who is more of a streamer. And I agree, not somebody who is necessarily going to be a must-roster player. He has had a good start to the season, 18 innings of a 1-5 ERA with a couple of victories, a sub-1 whip as well. He started him here against Boston, and I don't know that he's going to carry through beyond that kind of start. But so far this year, he has taken care of the Mets and San Diego. He had a rough one against Arizona, but his last time out was seven shutout innings at San Diego with eight Ks. Really good stuff out of Wade Miley. So he's another guy I'd look at, more so in, in any kind of league. 36% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He's not you know strictly for your shallow league guys. I think he's viable in even a 10- and a 12-team league as a streamer. I think that he could make some noise. So David Peterson and Andrew Heaney, Kyle Gibson and Wade Miley, those are the Saturday streamers for Sunday. Now, I aired yesterday for whatever reason, and maybe I, it must have been the site that I use, which is the score, uh, is this. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, the score is what we I, a lot of people use in Canada. I don't, I don't know if it's as popular in the states, it's, it's fairly big in Toronto, it's headquartered in Toronto. Uh, anyway, the score last night I talked about Grayson Rodriguez as being a stream for today, but he's not starting until Sunday, so it still applies. The same thing still applies here. Grab Grayson Rodriguez for that start. Against Detroit, if you're able to. He is below 70% rostered still at 69, so he is still out there on waiver wires. It has not looked great for him so far. The first start of the year was good against Texas outside of that first inning, and then he settled down. The last two, Oakland and Chicago, have not been good. The strikeouts have been there, 19 Ks in 14 innings, and he gets a great opportunity here against a bad team in Detroit to really get right for himself as well. So I, I think he's a must roster player still. Going forward, he's still somebody I'd be holding on to despite some worries with his early season, early career performance, uh, but definitely somebody that I'd be looking at if he's available against Detroit. Let's talk Peyton Battenfield. Um, he is somebody who got called up and he's made a couple of starts against the Yankees. First time out, four and two thirds. Uh, it was one run, I believe, and three strikeouts. Last time out, six innings against the, uh, the Tigers, five strikeouts and one earned run there. So, He's looked pretty good so far. He gets Miami here, so which is a good, good opponent uh, in terms of our good matchup. It's not a good opponent. They're fairly mediocre offensively. Uh, and I think Peyton Battenfield can be a, a fairly decent streamer. This is for more deeper leagues, because he's only on at this point on three percent of Yahoo rosters. And that's probably still correct. Like I think that, you know, he's had a couple of good starts. It's impressive that he did it against the Yankees as well. But I don't know that just based on what we saw in his um in his minor league profile, that he's necessarily going to be somebody who is going to give you that many strikeouts. So far, it's been fine. Eight strikeouts in 10 and two-thirds innings. Uh, and we saw it here and there, lower levels of the minors. But as he progressed, like in AAA, so in AA uh, in 2021, he had a strikeout rate of 32%. When he went up to AAA, it was 17%. I'm trying to see if this was over, like, massively different sample sizes. It was a much smaller sample size when he was um, in double-A, and it was a lot higher at those smaller sample sizes at the lower levels of the minor leagues. Once he got up to triple-A, we're talking 17% strikeout rate and a much higher walk rate. So he's had a couple of good starts to start the career off, but he's not necessarily like a must-roster player. I think he's a pretty decent option against Miami, but he is probably, of all the guys I've mentioned here uh, in terms of Saturday-Sunday streams, the guy that I would put last. I'd prioritize him below pretty much everybody else here. One last one for you guys. Tyler McGill, another matchup here against San Francisco for him. Big Tyler McGill fan. I always have been. 21 innings so far this year. He's got three victories, 17 Ks. Excuse me. He has a three ERA and a 1-4-3 whip to this point. Last time out against the Dodgers was not so great. That does tend to happen sometimes. And it wasn't terrible. You know, it was three runs over five innings, Definitely a good matchup here for him against San Francisco in San Francisco. So he is another guy that I would take a look at in most leagues. You should still be able to find him 47% rostered on Yahoo at this point. So I'll recap them once more. David Peterson, Andrew Heaney, Kyle Gibson, Wade Miley. Those are for Saturday. And then on Sunday, we got Grayson Rodriguez, Peyton Battenfield, and Tyler McGill. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for us here for today and for the week. Really appreciate all the support. As usual, you guys are the best. Following on Twitter, supporting the podcast here through downloads and subscribing and all that. All of that support really means a lot, and I really do appreciate all the help that you guys have given me in growing out this show uh, and growing out the Ethos Fantasy BB page as well, and my own. All of the help, all of it across the board. Very much appreciated. You guys are the best. We'll be back here on Monday. We will talk about a couple of two-start pitchers, as we usually do. We'll recap the weekend. We'll talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Hopefully, no more injuries. And we will, until uh, then, guys, have hopefully just good luck uh, in our fantasy baseball teams. Because so far this year, for me, not the greatest year. Uh, A couple of teams doing well. A lot of them not doing well so far. And a lot of it is injury-based. So hopefully, uh, some good luck over the weekend. But guys, until Monday, I hope you have a great weekend. Relax. Enjoy. And we will see you to talk two-star pitchers on Monday. Cheers, everybody. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks?